cioè. It's damp outside, it's warm and dry in here, we love it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Indeed. And then so. And right. <laughs> okay. Um, not much in the way of announcements this morning. Six-man quartet, of course, will practice this morning and every... Saturday morning until we play, until we sing. Saturday, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> long day, good. long day, and a short night. Do we have any birthdays this week? No birthdays. Anniversaries. No anniversaries. Yes, we are. Well, let's. Uh, Continue to praise the Lord then by turning to number 68. Now, I don't care what the bulletin said, it's 68. <laughs> Let's stand and sing. Sixty-six, sweet hour of prayer. Yeah. 
Our Father and God, we are so blessed because you are our Father. You have adopted us through the blood of Jesus into your kingdom. We are so grateful, Lord. We cannot thank you enough. Lord, we no longer have to fear death where we are concerned that we will burn in eternity forever and ever because through the blood of Jesus, through his love and works that he completed on the cross and our faith in what he has done. Now we have paradise. We have heaven to look forward to for all of eternity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, bless us this morning and let us be a blessing to you as we worship you, as we really truthfully come into the spirit and worship you. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill this place so full of your presence that all of us will rejoice in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 250. What wondrous love is this? Amen. 
has our meditation this morning. Meditation this morning I chose from uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's uh, labeled, uh, Christ died for one and all. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. After the Civil War, a man very diligently and devotedly attended to the grave of a man who fell in the battle at Chickamauga. He was asked whether this man had been a brother or other close relative. No, he said, this man is is special to me since he died in my place. I was drafted to go into the army, but since I had a family, he volunteered to take my place. He died for me. On February 3, 1943, a torpedo hit the American ship, the Dorchester, carrying 900 servicemen to the military base in Greenland. Among the 290, 209 survivors were four men who owed their life to the four chaplains aboard that gave their life jackets to them. Many people today are alive because of the heroic deeds of others, parents, law enforcement officers, firemen, lifeguards, servicemen, and women. Does not all this remind us of the great love of Jesus Christ, who died so that we might live? The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. You and I, being sinners, ought to have gone to the cross to die, for the wages of sin is death. But here comes Jesus Christ, volunteering to take our place. He, the sinless one, was treated as the consummate sinner, as the most lowly criminal. So that you and I, believing in him as our Savior, might go free and wear the robe of righteousness. True, other people also have laid down their lives for loved ones. The love of Jesus, however, exceeds all human deeds and devotion. For he was willing and able to die not only for one person, but for the whole human race. As Paul declares, he died for all. For he loved all, the whole human race. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let us pray. As we prepare for communion in honor of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, we want to humble ourselves. Your love for us was so great, it is beyond our understanding that you would die for our sins. Lord Jesus, I know that we don't deserve your sacrifice. We owe a debt that we can never repay. You paid the price of our sins on the cross. Help us to live our lives, to be a light to all we meet, and spread your message to a dying world.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Let's take a few moments and just go one-on-one with God just to, uh, to bask in His power and glory and love. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, gave it to each of them saying, this is my body broken for you, eat ye of it. And after they had eaten, he took the cup, giving thanks, passed it among them, and said, This is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. Let's all sing number 324.
number 360, I've got Peace Like a River. Everybody may be seated but me. <laughs> Good morning. Ain't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Boy, if God gets any better, I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> oh. Does anybody besides me feel blessed? <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed, right? Uh, well, I want to tell you all, I, I am grateful to be your minister here. There's so many good people that does so much. You make me look good. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And I don't deserve it, but thank you. And I know God is good. All the time. All right, so this morning, as we continue on, we're talking about the burial of Jesus. Just a couple of verses here from the book of Matthew chapter 27 beginning at verse 57 as evening approached there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus going to Pilate he asked for Jesus body and Pilate ordered that it be given him Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb. Didn't we cover this last week? Yeah, thank you. All right, so we're talking about the guard at the tomb. So we're going to finish this chapter out. I'm sorry. I got to read now. I thought, man, that sounds awful familiar. <laughs> the next day, the one after Preparation day, which would have been uh, the Sabbath. The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, that Satan said, after three days, I will rise again. 
So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. That sounds more like where we're supposed to be. So we're looking at the day after Jesus uh, had been buried, the day after the preparation day. And the chief priests and the Pharisees, the very ones who accused Jesus of being a deceiver. You know, Satan or Satan, the word means deceiver. So they're actually calling Jesus here a Satan, a deceiver. And they're saying that he is such a deceiver that he even prearranged for his body to be taken out of the tomb by his disciples to show or to make it look like that he truly had resurrected from the dead. Well, I got news for him. He did one better than that. He actually did come back and stood before them all (laughs) and let them see that he was back. You know, they made the lie that, that the disciples did, in fact, come and steal the body. That was a lie that to this day, many Jews still cling to. He never was really the Savior. He didn't rise from the dead. His disciples came and stole his body. Well, the problem with that lie is, is that he did come back to life and he did stand before the people. Many, many people, as many as 500 we know at one time, saw him, but probably much more than that. It's kind of hard, if you look at the truth, to deny that he did die, that he was buried, and that he came back to life. There are many atheists, devout atheists, who in their lifetime decided to prove that this story about Jesus being a savior, being one who actually came back from the dead, they set out to prove it was a lie. They set out to use the scripture to do that very thing. C.S. Lewis is one of those. And he became a very devout Christian. The Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis. Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis. The Problem with Pain, C.S. Lewis. Many other books that he's written that all... Show how good God is, how good Jesus is, and how through what Jesus did by dying on the cross for us is the only thing that will help you to live a life of freedom, to live a life of joy, and to have a guarantee. That as you, when you die, you will go be with him forever. It's the only way, folks. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than Jesus. That's it. They had these guards at the tomb. The guards were set at the tomb. Now, these would have been Roman guards. We know that because they came back and reported to Pilate. Now, they did go to the priest because the priests were the ones that commissioned them. So they went to tell them what happened. But then they had to go back and report to their real boss. If they had only worked for the, uh, if they were temple guards, they would not have needed to go to the Romans and report. So we know they were Roman guards. And these guards are, are there. 
And we're told that they put a seal. Now, the seal that they used in these days, I'm sure you probably all know this by now, but it was a wax seal. And the signet ring was given to represent the authority, okay, of the one who placed the seal there. So they would have put in some kind of rope around this, uh, this uh, rock, this big rock that was chiseled out in a circle to roll and to seal this tomb. They would have put a rope around it somehow, and then they would have attached it to the entranceway with wax and then put the imprint of the seal. Now, if that seal was broken, in other words, if you try to move that big stone, you're going to pull that wax loose. And if that seal is broken, then they know that someone entered that tomb. Well, guess what? That seal was never broken until later when there was an earthquake and the tomb opened. Not so that Jesus could come out. He was already out. The tomb was opened so that the apostles could look in and see that he was gone. (laughs) These guards were posted there. And, you know, these were no sissies, okay? These, these, were, these were men who were hardened in battle, and they trained. I mean, this is what they did every day. They trained with swords, wrestling, fighting. They constantly were training day after day after day after day. That's what they did. They constantly. These were, would have been guys that had big, muscular you know, like our football players today, quarterbacks, they would have been huge and rugged. And they also, because of, their, uh, because of what they were exposed to all the time, they would have talked rough and they would have acted rough. They were, you know, almost what we would consider criminal in some ways because they were so cruel and mean. These were some of the, may have been some of the very men who beat Jesus. We don't know. But they were there watching to make sure that his disciples did not come and steal the body away. Now, I don't know about you, but from what I've read about the apostles and the the disciples... None of them, I don't think, would have went and challenged these guards. Because they knew they would get possibly killed, but at least beaten and run off. In fact, they ran and hid up in the upper room. Remember, they went up and hid in the upper room because they were just so distraught. They didn't know what to do. They weren't about to go try to steal this body. They had even forgotten that Jesus said he was going to resurrect on the third day. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been so downtrodden about the whole thing. But they just thought it was over. It's done. So they weren't about to go do these things. But the fact that God arranged for there to be Roman guards there proves it even more. (laughs) Think about that. And then we're told that they were told to lie. They were paid to lie and to say that, yeah, the disciples came and told, we fell asleep. Uh, (laughs) Do you know what the penalty is for a guard sleeping on duty? Death. You know, to this day, if you're in the military during wartime and you fall asleep on watch, The penalty is death. And if it's not wartime, you still get severely chastised. (laughs) Trust me, I know. (laughs) I fell asleep on watch. After 12 days of 12 on and 12 off, I fell asleep sitting on a stool 
and the captain happened to come by. You know what he did? He kicked my stool out from under me. <laughs> and then he took my money and restricted my liberty. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. Now, you, you just don't, they didn't play games. They were there for a purpose. And they took that purpose very serious. They weren't about to let anybody open that tomb, period. They were still there when the ladies came, as we will see as we continue on. But the very fact that these guards were there is proof that they did not steal the body. We will see as we continue on through the resurrection of Christ also that his appearances are proof that he came back from the dead. His body wasn't just stolen. If, if the body had been stolen, you would not have seen him out and about, right? <laughs> so he really died and he really resurrected. I don't understand why so many people have such a hard time accepting that. Because to me, and probably to you, it's just simple fact. It's just truth. It's proven. We believe it. But so many refuse. Oh, yeah, all right. And the Easter Bunny's real too. Uh, I I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. Uh, You know, it's, it's sickening that people would equate Jesus Christ to the Easter Bunny. They think that Christ is a fictional character just like the Easter Bunny. Well, the difference is there is more proof that Jesus Christ was a real human being than there is of any president of any nation in the world. There is so much documentation to prove that Jesus Christ was a real person born of Mary and Joseph than there is of any other leader of any nation ever recorded anywhere. There are literally millions and millions of documents that refer to Jesus Christ, his birth and his death. They don't all refer to his resurrection. (laughs) But it is a proven fact that he was a real person. Now, when you get that far into it, and then you begin to really like these atheists who set out to prove that the, that, that the Bible is false, when they really looked at the account and really dug deep in investigation, they could not disprove the facts of his death, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so they became Christians. You know, if, if you look at it as you're digging through the scripture like a court case, and you, let's say you're, you're either the defense attorney or the prosecutor, whichever one you, you, you choose to be. Their job in any case that they represent is to dig deep to find the facts. Now, granted, there are lawyers and prosecutors who will try to distort facts to get things the way they want them. But the writing of the scripture, there's so many accounts that has proven over and over that there is no distortion. The facts are as they are listed in the scripture. Jesus was born, he lived, he died a terrible death, was buried, and he resurrected and was seen by many people. Those are the facts in the case. What are you going to do with that? You can either accept it or you can reject it, but you can't change it. That's the way it is, folks. We dig deep into the scriptures and we believe more. The more we dig, the more faith we have. 
What does the scripture say? Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? So the more you're into the word of God, the more faith you get. That's one of the reasons why I'm always telling you, get into the word. It builds your faith and your faith builds your character. And your character builds your usefulness to the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's not just a kid's song, folks. It's the truth. It's the truth. Jesus died, as Jim's uh, message this morning, Jesus died for us. He died in my place. He died in your place so that we don't have to suffer the way that he did. You see, here's the contract. The contract is between the covenant or contract between us and God is that you accept the fact that Jesus died and paid for your sin for you or you reject that and decide to pay for it yourself. That's the deal. You either accept the terms of the covenant, the contract, that Jesus paid the the price for you so that you can be set free, or you're just saying, nope, I'll pay it myself. Thank you very much. Wow. Never realizing how horrible hell is. Not even realizing they're headed to hell usually because they don't even believe in it. Why else would Jesus go through all of the pain and the agony that he went through? Why would he come and live among us and die such a horrible death if it wasn't so that he could prove his love to us and if it wasn't so that he could set us free? Why else would he do it? There is no other explanation other than he loved you, he loved me, and he didn't want us to have to go to hell. He wanted to make a way for us to spend eternity with him and the Father. He went through all of this for you and for me. You know the saying as Jesus was hanging on his cross, you and I were on his mind. That's a fact. That is a fact. That's the only reason why he went through all he went through was so that you and me and all mankind could choose to accept him and the price he paid for us so that we could avoid that horrible eternity in hell. And instead be in paradise with him forever. So, was Jesus a real person? Absolutely. Was Jesus the son of God? Absolutely. Did Jesus die a terrible death? Absolutely. Was Jesus buried? Yes, he was. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Absolutely. And then he calls us to follow him. Follow me. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 440. I'll live for him who died for me. Let's stand and sing, please.
you know, Bob had no idea what, I, you know, how I was going to have this message delivered, but that song is so perfect. That's a God thing. <laughs> it's just how God is. He works all things together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose to those who love him. Amen. Thank you, Major. Maybe seated. Yeah. Need to take a look at the prayer.